introducing the Festival of the Mind podcast from the University of Sheffield. In this episode, choir leader Andy Booth and mechanical engineer Matt Carey discuss their collaboration and explore the concept of hope with colleagues from the Faculty of Engineering. Creating hope. Hello, I'm Matt Carey, Professor of Mechanical Engineering at the University of Sheffield. This podcast tells the story of our Festival of the Mind project, Creating Hope. From its inception, the inspiration behind it, and how we have overcome the challenges brought about by coronavirus. Later on, you'll hear contributions from other partners involved in the project. It all started back in November 2019, when I saw the call put out by the Festival of the Mind team for projects that would form part of the festival in 2020. I had contributed to festival projects in the past, and I understood the need to bring our stories of inspirational research to new audiences. Also, at that time, I had spent four years as an increasingly involved member of an amateur choir in Sheffield called Chorus. I'd started off as a nervous but keen singer, and over the years had developed into a true performer, singing in our concerts and also taking part in the duets and ensembles. Back in November, we were in the middle of recording a Channel 5 special of Christmas Carols, performing in Cutlers Hall, Sheffield, and that was an incredible experience for everyone. My time with Chorus has made me fully appreciate the power of group singing and its capacity to tell stories and capture audiences' attention. Being a member of the Faculty of Engineering, I was also fully aware of some of the amazing research being carried out by my colleagues. One of the festival themes was hope, so I thought what better way to convey the inspiring stories than through choral singing. Even before COVID-19 impacted the world, I felt that the UK was in a very negative place, with Brexit, climate change and health concerns leaving many people feeling completely helpless. I wanted to inform people that even though the world is facing immense challenges, the human race is incredibly capable of facing and overcoming these challenges, and at the heart of this are engineers. In our faculty we have world experts working on everything from how to build tissue-engineered blood vessels to how best to use materials in the nuclear power industry. You will hear from my colleagues later. I discussed the project with Andy Booth, the musical director of Chorus, and together we hatched a plan to put on a concert of popular uplifting songs interspersed with personal stories from my colleagues that link to the themes of the songs. We were also keen to recruit some faculty staff members into the choir so they could rehearse with us throughout the summer and be part of this amazing project. I'll now hand over to Andy Booth to give his thoughts on the project. Hi, I'm Andy Booth and I am the artistic director and musical director for the Creating Hope concert with the Faculty of Engineering for the University of Sheffield and Chorus Choirs. It's been an absolutely fantastic privilege to be able to direct this musically and the varied array of different projects that the university and the faculty in particular have happening at the moment has been astounding to see uh, and has created some quite interesting uh, different routes that I've been able to take when choosing the music for this concert. Now we start with Starlight, a song by Muse, which on the face of it seems a, a very nice easy song talking about reaching to the stars and hopes and expectations which of course as we're creating hope is something you would expect to see but also in there, we've tried to play on some of the uh, older mythology, ways that people write music. So we've chosen to write this in the original key for the choir to sing in B major. Now, B major 
tonality-wise, is a beautiful key to singing and playing, but originally was thought to be the devil's work, and no one would ever want to be in that. And of course, science came forward, rallied against this, and created this path of hope for the future, where things were allowed to happen, and not just pulled down in religious doctrine. So we've chosen to play this in, sing this and perform this in B major, the original key, and it just creates this wonderful start to the concert. We move on there to a piece of music called We Built This City, which is again by another band called Starship, uh, and we've linked this with Sustainable Buildings uh, and the work of Abigail Hathaway. I'm Dr Abigail Hathaway from the Department of Civil and Structural Engineering. I'm actually a building services engineer. So when you construct a building, the building services engineer is the profession that comes in and makes that building habitable by providing your warmth, your light, your fresh air. And these are all aspects of the building that use a lot of energy over its life. And we know that buildings are a significant contributor to the carbon dioxide emissions in this country. So as a profession, the real focus is how do we ensure we've got healthy, comfortable indoor environments, but without wasting lots of energy. And one of the obvious uh, outcomes of this, as you'll have seen over the last decade, there's been a significant increase in the amount of insulation we put into new buildings and extensions to ensure that we can keep our inside spaces warm without wasting lots of energy. The challenge we have now, though, is ensuring that our indoor environments are healthy. We spend 80 to 90 percent of our time inside, so it's really important that our indoor spaces are healthy environments. And if we enclose them too tightly, if we reduce the amount of fresh air, we'll have a problem with a pollutant buildup. As people in spaces, we are all generating pollutants. The things we do generate pollutants, things like cooking and cleaning, are putting things into the air which we don't want to be hanging around in the air we breathe. So we need to ensure we're getting a good flow of fresh air. This has become increasingly uh, important and uh, visible in the last few months where we've seen with COVID-19, there's been several outbreaks that have been associated with poorly ventilated indoor spaces. Now, at the moment, as we're in summer in the UK and the weather's reasonably good, we can encourage people to have lots of ventilation, open all their windows, do activities outside. As we move into winter though, if we still encourage people to have their windows open all the time, that's going to have a significant impact on thermal comfort from drafts. To maintain warmth, you're going to have to use a lot of energy to keep uh, the inside of buildings warm. And that's going to then have a significant impact on climate change and then all the knock-on implications from that. So we need to be sort of cleverer about our ventilation. And there's a lot of work going on um, you know, across the globe to do with this, because it isn't a new problem with COVID-19. This has just made it more visible. Uh, we still have lots of other pollutants that people are perhaps less aware of in an indoor environment that we have to be ensuring that we're diluting and removing through ventilation. So my work in particular is interested in how people engage in their environment and what that means for airflows and movements of pollutants, and then importantly looking at how engineering interventions can be used to improve our internal environments. I'm particularly interested in quite large complex buildings, offices and commercial spaces, and the use of automated control to collect data from buildings to understand how it's performing, to use that data to then provide uh, more optimised uh, control approaches in order to ensure you're getting the best thermal comfort, the best amount of ventilation and fresh air, but at the minimum energy cost. Um, now, 
obviously the word choice is there we built this city upon rock and roll well it's not rock and roll we build things on but it's it really is a, a great idea that there is a foundation to absolutely everything that we create if we want to create sustainable buildings we have to have these foundations all in place so as we build our city and we build our cities and lives um, we also want to uh, know that we recognize the places and still continue forward that sense of who we are and where we've come from and those lyrics in the song about say you don't know me or recognize my face lend themselves well to that now we can't talk about what a wonderful world we have uh, and the reduction of single-use plastics which damage this world without singing the song wonderful world by louis armstrong uh, and this ties in with the work that rachel rothman is doing I'm Rachel Rothman, I'm a chemical engineer and I research the development and analysis of sustainable processes in clean energy systems. I am currently involved in a project all about plastics called Redefining Single Use. Now, over the last 50 years, the amount of plastic in use has increased dramatically. There are currently 8 billion tonnes of plastic in the Earth system. And to put that into context for you, if you turned it all into a standard roll of cling film, it would go all the way to Pluto and back 140 times, or you could wrap up the entire of planet Earth and still have a quarter of it spare. Now, that is a lot of plastic. So why do we have so much plastic? Well, as a material, plastic is amazing. It is light, it's durable, it is cheap, it can be used for many different applications, almost everything we do in everyday life from our mobile phones to our food packaging, plastic is involved in all of them. And over the years, we've developed very complex multi-layer packaging that has excellent properties. So for example, it keeps the crisps crispy. Now it's not actually the plastic itself that's the problem, it's the way we use it. And as a society, we are addicted to convenience. And particularly recently, plastic has become much higher up in public awareness through programs like the Blue Planet and the War on Plastic. And I think it's really important that it's not a war on plastic itself. And we need to think about the balance between the convenience that we have and the environmental footprints of it. And that's where the, the importance of sustainability analysis comes in, because there's a real trade-off to be considered. And a good example is the milk bottle. So I recently switched to getting all my milk in glass bottles from a local dairy. It doesn't have to travel very far. I send the milk bottles back. They're then washed and they're reused. And that system works. And the environmental footprint of doing that is much, much less than if I were to buy all that milk in plastic bottles. Now, on the contrary, I was speaking to a brewer a few months ago and they looked at doing a reuse system, but because they have a centralized system, they would need to take all their beer bottles all around the country and then take the empties all the way back. And actually, if you do the sustainability analysis of that, it's not better because of the carbon footprint of all the transport of the beer bottles moving around the country. So it's really important we look at the full system when we're considering what alternatives we might do. Now, all the plastic we use has been designed for use and not for end of life. And what's really important going forward is that we start to think about what happens at the end of the life of the plastic. So can it be recycled or not? Can it be reused? And the old adage of reduce, reuse, recycle is really, really important. And reduce obviously comes first. So some other changes I've made recently is uh, I get, don't get shampoo in bottles anymore. I get shampoo bars. I buy bars of soap. On the reuse side, I always have a water bottle, a reusable coffee cup, a lunchbox. So these are all things that are avoiding single-use packaging through reduction and reuse. 
And they may sound like small things, but if all of us were to reduce our, our plastic in the home to that extent and to reuse as much as possible, then together all of those small things would make a big difference in the world. When we talk about the lyrics of the colours of the rainbow and the sky and people and shaking hands, which, of course, at the moment we can't do all these very basic human necessities and things we take for granted, which we're destroying by our actions. So it really is a, a an homage to um, the work that uh, people are doing on reducing the single-use plastics and, and getting us to be recycling. Also, as well, we've chosen to, to play this one in E-flat major, a, a nice key. It says a lot about the Earth, the world, although the scientists will know that the Earth revolves and makes a note of D-flat, but it's a very positive key to play in. Very pretty. We move on from there to Have You Ever Seen the Rain, uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival, uh, and we've just chosen this as a, an inspirational song because the words that stuck out for me in particular, someone told me long ago, there's a calm before the storm. I know it's been coming for some time. When it's over, so they say, it'll rain a sunny day. I know, shining down like water. So it's a real positive that we have to go through this darkness to be able to get through to the light at the other side. And talking of the goodness and talking of daylight, uh, we've moved on and put Mr Blue Sky, the ELO song, in there for sustainable energy sources. Pulling from the lyrics straight away, Mr Blue Sky, please tell us why you need to hide away for so long. Why are we not using this? Where did it go wrong? Hey you with a pretty phrase, welcome to the human race. A celebration. Mr Blue Sky's up there waiting and today is the day we've waited for. A real positive, positive look at sustainable energy. Hello, my name is Dr Rob Howell. I'm Director of Aerospace Engineering at the University of Sheffield. I researched two very different kinds of energy conversion devices. Gas turbines, otherwise known as jet engines for powering aeroplanes, and I also research wind turbines which convert the kinetic power in the wind into renewable, low-carbon electricity for the national grids in this country and around the world. Since the Industrial Revolution that started in the UK around 250 years ago, humanity has burnt ever-increasing quantities of fossil fuels in the form of coal, gas and oil to generate power. Burning fossil fuels releases significant quantities of pollutants, and in particular carbon dioxide. Of course, carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas which causes global climate change. In fact, carbon dioxide levels today are higher than at any point in at least the past 800,000 years. Thankfully, in the UK, we've reduced the carbon dioxide emissions from electricity generation over recent years through the introduction of renewable energy sources, such as wind power. In fact, just a few years ago, the UK went without burning coal for the first time since the start of the Industrial Revolution. Just last year, the UK went coal-free for over 18 days. This year, we've gone coal-free for two months, although that's partly due to reduced demand at the moment. My research on wind turbines is aimed at better understanding the way these turbines respond to unsteady winds. Wind turbines are already very efficient, but less is known about their response to unsteady winds 
compared to steady winds. My research helps to better understand the fundamental unsteady aerodynamics and the resulting power generation of the turbine with these unsteady wind flows. This understanding will allow engineers to make even better and even more reliable wind turbines, and that means more renewable energy and indeed lower electricity bills. I'm also interested in making jet engines more efficient. One way of doing this is to better understand the aerodynamics of gas flows in the jet engines so we can use fewer components and make them lighter. A lighter engine means the plane it powers can carry a greater number of passengers or cargo for the same fuel burnt, and so that reduces the carbon dioxide emissions per passenger kilometre travelled. Now, grow old with me, the Tom O'Dell song, which is fantastic for tying into the work that Sam Peshnatala is doing on the challenges of an ageing population. Just says it all, really, about growing old together as a couple. And the words, grow old with me, let us share what we see. And oh, the best it could be, just you and I, and our hands they might age and our bodies will change, but we'll still be the same as we are. What wonderful lyrics. Now, Atomic, that we've chosen for the work of Amy Gandhi, with links to nuclear research, very, very simple. We decided that because the song was called Atomic, we'd just tie it in with that. Um, just a real good, feel-good song. And in fact, there are only probably ten words to the entire song, which makes it quite easy for the singers to learn in this case. We've chosen to end our selection with a piece of music from Disney's Moana, which is uh, We Know The Way. And the words, we set a course to find a brand new island everywhere we row. We keep our island in our mind, and when it's time to find home, we know the way. It's a real forward-thinking message there, and brings in the Polynesian culture, whereby they would farm and look after the land, and then move on. They would find new places all the time to fish and to sow crops and agriculture so as not to create problems moving forward and to leave the land as they found it. And it really brings together all of these different messages that we have here with our concert, Creating Hope. Finally, though, just before that, we have a piece of music by Queen and the late Freddie Mercury called Don't Stop Me Now. Now, this we're putting in with mechanical engineering. Yes, it has lots of different nods towards rockets and starships and racing cars and flying through the, the night. It is a song about engineering creativity and how that reflects in our everyday lives. Hi, I'm David Fletcher from the Department of Mechanical Engineering. I'm Professor of Railway Engineering and my work's in the development of more sustainable transport. At first you might think about diesel emissions or fuel consumption, but sustainability of transport is much wider. Effective transport can drastically change the sustainability of a community through access to jobs and healthcare. In turn, providing transport services people actually want is the key to economic sustainability of the services themselves. This makes railway engineering extremely diverse. It depends on core engineering areas such as mechanics and the behaviour of materials, but also the behaviour of people and the management methods that you can apply to keep a complex system functioning. Some of our most recent research has been in predicting how the socially distanced railway is going to work, how people will board trains and move through stations as they maintain separation. Things like this are certainly about sustainable transport, 
but they're quite different from the environmental issues that might at first spring to mind. For railways, lots of work goes into how rail forms one part of an overall journey, and that applies both to passengers and freight. Understanding this sets the requirements for the vehicles and the infrastructure, the track, the power and the signalling systems that engineers can produce to enable those journeys. Application of battery technology to store traction energy and smooth out demands on the grid has been an ongoing area of research at Sheffield for some time. Another of our areas is in optimising rail wheel contact and making those materials last longer. If the steel wears more slowly, the energy used in its production for the replacement rails and wheels is reduced. Even better, the lines can stay open and transporting people and goods more of the time, they're closed less often for maintenance. Looking ahead, there's changes to car travel with electric cars and automated cars on the horizon. But rolling a steel wheel on steel rail has very low resistance to motion, so railways are inherently an environmentally friendly option. There's challenges to keeping pace with research developments though, and the industry has long asset life cycles and high investment costs that can make this difficult. Railways are facing these issues internationally and Sheffield researchers are working with colleagues internationally to address this. And this international collaboration is one of the most exciting parts of doing research. With everyone's input, I can see railways being a vital and sustainable part of our transport system for many years to come. From this key, it always builds. There's always this sense of achieving higher and higher things. Just when you think you can't go any higher, as you were going into space, you start to float. And then it brings us immediately back down to Earth. Now this is some incredible writing. They really were geniuses, the boys from Queen, and we don't see their lights much around any day. Now I'm going to go off and write some more of these arrangements to make sure that we have got them all ready for the quiet start learning. Thank you for your time and I hope you've enjoyed my little insight into why we're doing some of the songs. Hi, it's Matt again here. I'm just going to try and give Andy a call and see how the preparations are going for the for the project. So I'm just calling him on Zoom now. Andy, are you there? Oh, hi Matt. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Um, so yeah, we're just uh, looking to find out how the preparations are going for the concert. I know we've got the uh, we've got all the singers recruited now. Um, how is it going with the songs? Really well, thanks, Matt. At the moment, I've got all the written arrangements, just uh, putting little finishing touches on those at the moment, and we're about to record those for the learning tracks for our singers to learn from. Really, really looking exciting and in great shape. Thank you. Fantastic. And I know we've got some plans uh, to discuss around the actual performance itself, but again, that's looking pretty good. We're hoping to be able to be singing that to a live stream performance. So what I wanted to ask you, Andy, was what do you think has been one of the most difficult parts of, of the of keeping the choir going during lockdown it's been very difficult Matt with morale um, people are quite used to not just singing together but being together as a species we're quite sociable and enjoy being in groups whether that's what you have to look at sports stadiums for football and so on it, um, mm. it's what we do so the fact that we've had to be separated isolated put into social bubbles has been incredibly difficult to try and keep people happy and engaged, but we've, we've done it fairly successfully with the choir, um, with our different 
singing things throughout the week, not just our regular term that we've been doing at the moment, but our extra sings. It's, it's worked quite well. Well, I, I've really enjoyed doing those recorded sings where we sing uh, the parts ourselves in our homes and then you put them all together into a performance. And it was only when I was listening back to one of those the other day when we did a Good Vibrations Beach Boy song um, that I got that feeling of, of really singing as a choir again. I got the hairs on the back of my arm standing up and and it, it, I really felt that feeling that I'd been missing since back in March when we last all sang together, you know, actually under the same roof. So so um it's, there's a lot there's a lot to be said for it i mean it, it's yeah. always been interesting for me to, going back to that quote about football matches that i've just said how you can have 30 40 50 000 people standing there and sing and sing so loud and the the feeling that's generated from that and yet when you say come and do that in a choir people aren't interested uh maybe i should <laughs> kick a football around at the front of the rehearsal but um yeah well, I mean, I'm always very evangelical about joining a choir, as you know, and I've I've tried to uh, recruit lots of my my work colleagues over the years. I'm actually hoping this project is going to boost that even further because we've obviously got a lot of singers coming from uh, the engineering faculty, which is fantastic. And some of those people won't probably have sung in a choir before. They they might be used to singing in the shower or something. Um, but you get a very different feeling, as you well know, um, when you've got you know fifty fifty odd people in a room together singing together, singing in harmony, and it all just clicks, you know, and that feeling when it all works, it's such a buzz. Um, I think I've told you before that on, on those rehearsal nights, sometimes I can't get to sleep after those because I've, I'm on such a high, and that's just that's just the rehearsals. So you can imagine what it's like when we perform. <laughs> I, I know it's probably three or four o'clock in the morning, and I'm very fortunate that this is my job. Um, it's, um, it's a great privilege to, to do what I do. So, yeah, so we're obviously looking forward to, to how we're going to get this performance together. We, we know we'll, we'll get something together. The exact details of it, we've still got to uh, look, look over in the next few weeks. It's only uh, just the end of July now, so we'll see how things pan out. So where are we with the project now? Well, at the time of recording, our choir is just approaching the end of a very difficult term, but we've managed to keep rehearsals going online as well as putting together performances by combining individual videos recorded in people's homes under lockdown. For the Creating Hope project, we have now recruited our singers, and these are both from within the chorus family, as well as new members from the Faculty of Engineering. And we have online Zoom rehearsals that will be starting in August. We're in discussions with the festival team about the best way that we can put on a performance, but obviously we need to do this in a way that is safe for all of those taking part, as well as adhering to the latest government guidelines, and this has input from the University, Sheffield City Council and health and safety experts. We're hoping to be able to put on a suitably spaced outdoor performance to be live streamed as part of the festival, but we have various other backup plans should the situation change. I just wanted to finish by reiterating the overall message of hope. Taking coronavirus as one example, there are many scientists working flat out around the world to develop a vaccine. But the job of producing these at scale and getting them out to the people that need them will fall at the feet of engineers, and I have every confidence that they will meet that challenge. I hope you enjoy our performance in whatever format it takes. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe. We'll be publishing episodes every day of the festival. We'd love to hear your thoughts and responses on social media. Find us on Twitter at Festival Mind. 
and at facebook.com forward slash festival of the mind. Oh.